Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, November 15th. I'm Hannah Floor. Last Friday, the Petersburg School District honored veterans with a parade like they do every year for Veterans Day. Students from the Petersburg School District lined the street in front of the elementary school. They were bouncing with excitement and cold. It was just about freezing and blustery. A line of fire trucks and cars filled with veterans stretched up the hill. But unlike most parades in Petersburg, the kids weren't running for candy. They were running up to the trucks to deliver cards and drawings and thank you notes. Farther down the street, volunteers waited next to a table full of quilts. Local quilters sew them for Petersburg veterans each year as part of a nationwide program. They're presented at the end of the parade, draped around the shoulders of the veterans in a symbol of comfort and appreciation. KFSK went to the parade and has this audio postcard. My name is Brad King. I am the principal at middle school and high school. Uh, for me, it's very uh, gratifying uh, to see the kids appreciate the vets. I think it's, uh, it's a statement of, of how good our society really is. Aria Holmgren. I'm in sixth grade, and Veterans Day means to me. It just kind of like cause my a lot of my family has been uh, been veterans, so it means a lot to me. And I think it just kind of reminds me of my family in general. My dad, he was in the Marine Corps. He talks about it to me in the car. He just kind of he likes to say because it it's just me and him, and he likes to say all his stuff. And like it means a lot to him about having this parade and people cheering him on. It means a lot to him. I'm Jim Engel. I'm a history teacher, Petersburg High School, and um, our Veterans Day assembly goes back well before I started teaching here to Sid Wright, who was a World War II and a Korean War veteran, and uh, he wanted to start uh, honoring the veterans in town. And so back, and I believe back in the, the early 80s, he started doing the Veterans Day. I'm Carol Candle, and I'm the director, coordinator, I should say, of our local Quilts of Valor project. And we are here today to award six quilts to veterans. The Quilts of Valor Foundation was begun in the early 2000s when a mother of a boy who was deployed said, rather than worry, I'm going to start doing something constructive and I will make quilts for guys to come back. Fire truck leads the veterans through the, the streets in front of the elementary school. They parade past everybody and people cheer for them as they go by and then the Quilts of Valor hand out the quilts as they go by. Barb Fish and I'm here to see the parade and to watch the Quilts of Valor being handed out. Uh, my husband Rick received one, I don't remember when, two or three years ago made by Marcy Gellhouse, and we treasure it. It's wonderful. Anyway, it's horrible weather, but it is Veterans Day. Enjoy it. I will. Yeah, my name's Matt Duddles. Um, it's just nice to be recognized. Uh, it's been 20 years since, you know, I've uh, deployed and been overseas and stuff. So um, it's just 
a nice recognition after you know that that amount of time. So yeah. it'll be hanging out in the living room. <laughs> um, my name's Rebecca Fisher. My dad, he's a veteran. He served in Iraq in Iraqi Freedom Three, and he's my hero. I've felt a lot of emotions. I'm really happy for him. We've been waiting for a long time for him. And Petersburg quilters have awarded veterans around 120 quilts since they started in 2016. Nationwide, the quilters Quilts of Valor program has gifted veterans more than 300,000 quilts. While the question of whether to limit cruise visitors next summer won't go out to voters anytime soon, the owner of Sitka's private cruise terminal is planning to set some limits himself. Last Thursday, Sitka Dock Company owner Chris McGraw announced that he is developing a birthing plan that would cut back on cruise traffic, limiting the size and number of ships allowed to berth each day at the Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. The plan will also include daily passenger caps, arrival staggering, and more infrastructure at the dock, to help with passenger dispersal. In an interview with KCAW, McGraw said he hoped to strike a balance when landing on a number that works for Sitka. If we look at, you know, a day where we had 10,000 passengers and it was way too, you know, that was too many, too too much to handle, then we know, okay, that's too much. But then if you look at a day where, say, we had 6,500 and everybody was able to function finally 6,500, I think you arrive at that number by kind of looking at, at how we did this summer and then knowing that, we're going to be improving things as the you know, time goes on and development developments uh, are completed. McGrath says he has a rough number in mind, but he's hoping to get more feedback from cruise operators, local authorities, and the community in developing the policy. It also means coordinating with ships that don't dock at the cruise terminal. You know, my, my number is going to have to be worked with with the city um, and then looking at tendering as well to kind of figure out what the town's number is and then... You know, we make sure that we accommodate the ships that are tendering as well and, and not um, can kind of disregard those ships because that adds to the whole impact as well. While 2020, with 2024's schedule set and tickets purchased, the ship limits and passenger caps McGraw ultimately lands on would not go into effect until 2025. But he says he's been able to work with some of the cruise companies to stagger arrival times for next year. Wrestlers from Petersburg's high school team competed at the Bill Wise Tournament in Ketchikan last weekend. Petersburg High School wrestling coach James Valentine told KFSK that his wrestlers were starting to feel a lot more confident. They looked the most them at this tournament, in my opinion. So we're hopefully on the right track to peak at the right time. So yeah, we have the tough uh, uh, tournaments before, but now moving forward... Hey, are we are we getting there? Are we peaking at the right time? I, I'm thinking so. How do you plan that out? <laughs> that's a great question. That's all. That's every coach's uh, uh, goal is you know you want to peak your guys at the right time. You know, and uh, how do I do that? And, you know, I'm still learning. You know, and it's it, it's cultivating the love for the sport still, and not being just drained of training, and just getting the guys excited to do well. You know. Because that training is so hard, they can get worn out and exhausted. You can just get mentally drained of just just being constantly getting beat up. You know, you you, you know, wrestling is the hardest because you you just con- you you have to put in the effort in order to see the success. So if you only put in 
this half effort, you're only going to get half the success. Mm -hmm. And you could see that if you did that and you go out and wrestle and you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have lost. It was like, well, have you put in the effort? And I'm real with a lot of my kids. I'm, I'm very real. I'm like, yeah, you probably could have, but have you been training that hard in the room or have you been, you know, pretty lax? Mm-hmm. So, um, Tell me about some wrestlers that you've seen really grow and improve. Really, it's like my whole team, right? Especially from the start to now. Uh, one I would point out right now is my senior, Jonas Anderson. In the beginning of the year, he took a pretty tough loss. You know, he right now he's third in region. And the two guys that are in front of him are one and two in num- at state. So he's kind of right at number three in state, right? And the person that he had lost to originally from Haynes, he lost pretty decently the first time. But the second time turned it around. Ultimately lost, but that just shows me the growth that he came into it with a battle plan, not just kind of winging it. He came into uh, it mentally prepared and ready to roll. You know, he didn't go and throw a fit when he lost he just like he took it he understood it he he studied his film and he went after and got it right and then like another person would be um Caden Duke right Caden is my junior and this year he started off pretty sloppy to be just fully honest he started off sloppy but the turnaround is that he's always uh been a very good technical wrestler but having the confidence at this new weight because he was 145 last year he's 160 now that's 15 pounds of growth you know, maybe that takes that much longer to learn what 15 pounds more on your body is like. Yeah, I, ultimately, all my all my kids are doing great. You know, I have nothing but good things. It's just I want them to. We have two weeks off now. We have this weekend off. We have Thanksgiving weekend off, and then we go to Wrangle. You know, and I don't want to fall back in these two weeks of kind of downtime. You know, so we're gonna we're gonna hit it hard still. How do you uh how do you incorporate Thanksgiving into your workouts? <laughs> really, really hard workout after Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you guys ate all that pie? Okay, we're gonna run for a while. <laughs> uh do you have anything else you wanna add? Um all my kids did great. Uh Jonas took third. Um Caden Duke took fourth. Angus did not place unfortunately. I had a freshman that Eli Anderson that took second. And Lakel Dinehart took third. So we ultimately, as a team of eight or nine, we are still right there in the running. That was high school wrestling coach James Valentine talking with KFSK. The team will compete in Wrangell in early December before heading to regionals in Juneau the weekend after. Now that Republican Mitt Romney and Democrat Joe Manchin have announced that they're leaving the U.S. Senate, Lisa Murkowski could be one of the few remaining moderates, and she says she doesn't like it. I am very worried that what we are seeing is is good people who have gotten discouraged because the process can be so, so just awful. Murkowski spoke on Tuesday at a global women's summit sponsored by The Washington Post. Organizers billed her as the real maverick. The onstage interview was a chance for her to expound on her way of legislating and the vanishing political center. Murkowski says she forms partnerships with lawmakers who aren't on the extreme ends of the partisan spectrum and who are willing to work on beneficial bills. I think we've been able to demonstrate this in in very specific measures, whether it was the infrastructure bill, whether it was the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. I mean, there are there are good places where we can land with legislation that, again, are going to be enduring 
because they're not entirely partisan. But Murkowski says she fears she'll be left with few colleagues who are willing to craft compromise legislation and who have the backbone to stand up to their party to support it. And if the good people leave, when I say good people, the people that are willing to work in the middle, we know what we're going to be left with. It will be those that will be on on the extremes of either side, and that doesn't benefit our country. Murkowski has served the Senate since 2002 and was re-elected last year. She was among seven Republicans who voted to convict Donald Trump following the assault on the Capitol. She says she definitely won't support Trump's campaign next year, but she doesn't think she can support the re-election of President Joe Biden either. The Museum of the Aleutians in Unalaska recently hosted the first in a planned series of kid-friendly events. In mid-October, youngsters came together to see the changing colors of the tundra and to incorporate those colors into their artwork. Andy Lusk has more from Unalaska. Like all good things in life, the Museum of the Aleutians Color Walk starts outside. You want to come home from some lanes with me? Come on. Museum office manager Megan Dean leads a group of young children around a grassy patch next to Illulik Harbor. It's a cold, windy day, blustery, as Dean describes it, but the sun is still shining. She points out leaves and flowers, noting their colors. What did you think? Did you like walking around outside looking at all the leaves and flowers? Yeah. Do you like coloring in the plants? After their walk, the kids go inside to use the colors they saw along the way in their artwork. They fill in coloring pages featuring local plants like pushki and blueberries. It's a way to integrate Unalaskan culture into the changing of the seasons. Local mom Christy Baum found out about the event on Facebook. She says the walk is an opportunity for her kids to get in touch with nature. Anytime we can get our kids outside exploring is always super fun for me. And then um, just crafts and, you know, creating community and nature and things to get my kids out of the house, especially on beautiful, windy days like this. Another mom, Asia Beater, says it's a chance for her son to connect with others. Uh, We are just trying to find an activity for our kid to get out and uh, meet new kids. I would say our son really enjoyed the leaves and the coloring sheets and just being able to crawl around and explore. Dean says she's working to implement more kid-focused activities at the museum. She wants to have an event geared at preschool and elementary-aged students once a month with a focus on story time, outside activities, and crafts. In Unalaska, I'm Andy Lusk. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.